Welcome back to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. And we're done with our break. Thank you all for your patience, those of you who have returned. I wouldn't feel, uh, I don't feel any hard-heartedness against anyone who's like, oh, well, they don't think we're worth their time and just fled for good. <laughs> uh, not going to blame you. Uh, seriously, though, I am very, very uh, happy to be back because I, I watched the episode again and it's really interesting. It's a very good episode. I watched it again this morning. Because I remembered not liking the last episode uh, for a lot of reasons. But you know what? Like, the last episode is doing a lot of interesting things. Yes. And the problem is, some of it is, uh, some of it is self-evident. Some of what the last episode does, it's clear what they're doing, it's clear what they're trying to say, and it's clear what it means for the characters. But a lot of the last episode is setting up a very interesting turn for Tony's character. And we're yeah. never going to get that. Yeah. I think that's, well, I, I think initially, you see, because when I watched it, when we were going to do it, like just a few weeks ago, when yeah. we were still talking about doing it, when we and could I, just literally watched the previous episode. Uh, yeah, and I and I'm going, and I watched it, and because we were going to do the podcast, and then we just couldn't do it. But I, and already obviously it was a good choice because I was in a terrible mood, <laughs> yeah. and it was a terrible episode, and the rest of it. So that's why we both thought we should rewatch it just yeah. in case. Just in case oh. our, it's a Roger Ebert situation where famously, uh, I think in his entire life, he only took back one review. Yeah. And that is he panned the movie Unforgiven. Yeah. <laughs> because he was so stressed out. Like he watched it the day before. He uh, he watched it two days before and wrote the review the day before his wedding. Yeah. And he was so stressed out. He didn't really see the movie. And, like, literally everyone told him that he was completely wrong about Unforgiven to the point where he had to go back and watch it again, and he took it back. Yeah, he took it back. That's the only time. And we would have had to do that. No, we really would have. This was um, a good episode. Yes. It's, I think a lot of it the first time was because we were so disappointed we were never going to get any kind of revolution resolution. resolution. Yeah. It sets up a couple of things for the next season that would have been very interesting mm -hmm. uh, to happen. And, um, yeah. you know, it, it, yeah, it was um, it's tragic. Yeah. It sucks that we're not going to get more Tony Hill after this because of the unbelievably interesting place. We stopped. Yeah. And I mean, the thing is, the problem is it's been 20 years. You can't like, there's no way to do a, let's check back in on Tony Hill that would be satisfying at this point. No. You know, like, imagine the ground you would have to cover <laughs> in that. Oh, my God. It, did he marry Alex? I don't know. Did he maybe. have children? Exactly, did right? He, did, did, did she have to go to another place? Did the guy, the, the new guy... I know. Well, okay, well, let's get let's start getting this. into the episode, yeah. and we'll start getting into this, right? This is all the end, right? This is with all the questions we had. At the and end of the episode. have to answer 20 years later. Yeah, there's so much later, you would have Tony to cover. Retiring, right? He's got to be in his 60s by then. This is what I'm saying. I mean, he's in his <laughs> 60s on the, the cop show he's doing now, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. All right, so the episode is The Deadland, and it opens with 
someone desperately trying to get into a mental health facility and being mm-hmm. unable to. Right? And then we see a guy cleaning a sword. Yeah. We don't see the guy. We just see the uh, the sword being cleaned. And the blood on the sword. Yeah. Blood-covered sword being washed off in a tub. And then we see uh, a man who has been dumped in an abandoned building. Yeah. Okay. All right. So then title card, and we cut to a woman desperately looking for her son. Her son has gone missing. She uh, She's desperately searching for him. She's got pictures. She has no idea. It's just woman in desperation. Yeah. And then we cut right to the hearing to uh, determine whether Tony is responsible for Michael escaping. Yep. And Michael, and I will say this about Tony, uh, he has gotten, like, is it weird to say that he has gotten over his feelings of responsibility over this? Yeah. Like, he has no guilt over what happens because he could not have been clearer of the threat Michael posed and what was going to happen if you took your eye off the ball for even a second. And exactly what he said was going to happen is exactly what happened. And it's, it, it is interesting because you can see them trying trying somehow or another to put this blame on yeah. Tony. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to blame Tony. Well, Tony's going, uh-uh. Yeah. Not, you know, and she says, well, aren't you a little bit angry? Well, um, all of these people, mm-hmm. I warned you. You didn't listen to me. He did exactly what I said he was going to do. And now he's out there and he's going to kill all of these other people. I said, yeah, you could say I'm angry. Yeah. You know. And uh, I, yeah. I just love that his response is that, no, yeah. I don't feel responsible. No, if I am you not. Had, res- if you had listened to what I said, he wouldn't be out there killing. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, then the uh and this is what I love. The the two head doctors each come to him as he's walking out, and the woman tells him, Hey, thanks for uh laying all this on my door, start throwing me under the bus. But yeah. the other one is like, Well, I guess you were right. Yeah. The no, other... he says, Sorry, Tony, you yes, were right. Yeah, sorry, Tony, you were right, we were wrong. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just interesting to see that. And by the way, I watched closely and they're not even subtle about it because, you know, spoiler alert. I can't imagine you not having seen the episode. But spoiler alert. Michael's in the room for this scene yeah. and he's perfectly like he's right there. They don't hide him at all. Like they're not being coy. They do a pan of the audience and one of them is clearly Michael, but with a beard now. Yeah. The, well, the interesting thing about that, though, right, is that you don't really notice it. No, you, you the first never time you're watching it, you, you don't, you don't pick up that that's Michael. No. You don't pick, even when he walks by Tony. Yeah. Tony doesn't recognize him. We don't recognize him. No, because, uh, again, it's a contextual thing. No one yeah. would conceive that this man is just going to walk directly into a place where his escape is being discussed. Like, no yeah. one could imagine he would be that audacious, so... No one is thinking of the possibility that he could be there. No, it's very well done. It's extremely well done. Right? Uh, So then, after we get the hearing, it is off to uh, the very strange bathroom that a bunch of this will be set in. And the guy preparing his odd ceremony. 
And of course, this will prove to be a Japanese thing later, which is why it's interesting that we immediately cut to Alex waiting for Tony in a sushi place. In a Japanese restaurant. In a Japanese restaurant. And then we cut back and forth between uh, her, right? And the guy putting white makeup all over his face. Yeah. Because again, it's it's going to be a Japanese theme this time. All right. So Tony comes and yeah, they're on a date. Kind of. Kind of. Because Tony doesn't kind of register. <laughs> he does not recognize that he is on a date. <laughs> yeah. Oh man! <laughs> it's just like it takes him. It's after after it's all done. All of a sudden, he's going lipstick. He's walking home and going, "Oh no, we were supposed to be on a date." <laughs> ah. But there's there's another thing that happens in there <laughs> that I find really interesting, and I think it's worth mentioning. Right? Is and I think this is important for what we're going to talk about later. Uh, but the newspaper. Like, the entire history of the show has involved over and over again the press not being on Tony's side. Yeah. But the headline this time is, like, top psychiatrists blames authorities for uh, killer escape. Yep. And it's like, suddenly the newspaper is on Tony's side? It's very weird. Like, because this has never happened to him before. Right, but it's like the inquiry is going easy on him. He's being allowed to say people you've got people in authority telling Tony he's right. It's very strange. Right? And then we see a homeless kid, right? A homeless kid who gets uh and then someone comes up to him and you're like, Well, we know where this is going. Yes. <laughs> and that is and after that, Tony gets home, realizes what was going on with the lipstick, but then he gets a letter. And inside the letter is a bunch of honeycomb. Honey. Yeah. A piece of dripping honeycomb. Honeycomb. Said call and a message that says, very sweet of you. <laughs> yep. And of course, this is what Fiona said. Uh, Fiona is, of course, the woman who is the head psychiatrist at the hospital. Very sweet of you to leave this on my doorstep. I throw me under the bus. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is the problem. And then so the next day at the inquiry, Tony goes to talk to her, but she's with a bunch of people, so he doesn't have a chance to talk to her. And, okay, this is where the episode's going to be slightly contrived. Because, is he really, were we expecting to believe that Tony would think that this woman would have pranked him by leaving this on his doorstep? It seems a little strange. Now, we don't know much about her as a person, but it seems weird to me that he would think that. See what I'm saying? Well, well I thought that right even the first time I watched it's it. It's weird thought, well, that he thinks he, that, right? Why would he think that she would do this? Yeah, it's such a weird thing to do. Yeah, now, as you say, maybe he's had a history with her and yeah. maybe she is kind of a nasty person. Sort of revenge seeking person yeah. or whatever you would call this which yeah. is annoying yeah um yeah it, it yeah i mean i don't disagree with you at all that it was it's odd right right it's a little contrived that he's not more alarmed by this 
Yes, initially. And it's um now mind you, he ha- probably because it's been weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and he probably hasn't heard anything from Michael and nobody's been killed by Michael. Yeah, they think Michael's on the run. So they think Michael's on the run and show he you know he he's not Michael is not his He's not at the forefront of anyone's mind at the moment. At the moment and so therefore I think that that's the possibility that's there. I mean you can, um, I think you can read it that but, way fairly. Yeah, but to think that Fiona would do this. That's the part I, I had a problem. Do this, yes. That is the but part I have a legit problem. There was there, there was nobody else like in 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 the people they have in the um in the cast this week. There's nobody else that it could be. <laughs> I know, right? So it's like you just has to assume it's her. It has to be Michael or this person or or yeah. or or Fiona, or, yeah, or Fiona, yeah. All right, so uh, while he's off doing that. Uh, Alex and Kevin are, have found the dead body in another, uh, waste space, thrown in a piece of cardboard. And yes, it's the guy, it's the kid, the street kid we saw picked up on the street. Yeah. And what's interesting is, uh, the Emmy is there. And again, I love this Emmy. I mean, I'm, I'm sad he wasn't in the show for more than one season. He's <laughs> well, just a lot you know, of fun. Yeah. He's he like, is. definitely he was moved. Like there would have yeah. been a bunch of blood. And he would have been, and he must have been moved. Yes, and the blood isn't isn't has settled had settled, yeah, someplace else. Exactly, is it, right? Yeah, and we'll find out more when we get to the autopsy scene, which is a very upsetting autopsy scene. <laughs> and the show is always gruesome, but yikes! All right, uh, so yes, <laughs> then Tony goes to his accountant. Uh, <laughs> Right. And Tony has not been declaring the money he makes. I know for the work he does. Private consult consulting. Yeah, that's right. Okay. He'd never occurred to him because that's the thing. Like all of the money he makes at the university, automatically, like they handle all of the deductions automatically. So he's never had to worry about it. But this whole time, he's been working for the police, and they've been sending him checks, and he hasn't been reporting it. Yeah, and I, and I'm not sure. How he could be that? I don't know. Like, I, I kind of believe that from. I kind well, of believe that from Tony. From Tony, yeah. But I mean, I was always given how absent-minded he is. Come on, that one I'll give them. Yes. Well, obviously he's been doing his own taxes. Oh, clearly. And then he got a letter from, I guess, the British Internal Revenue or CRA, yeah. as we whatever call they it. call it in, in Inland Revenue is what they call it. Yeah, so it's like Canada revenue. Yeah, agency. exactly. Yeah, and he, he <laughs> because it's, of it's course, very fun. for heaven's sakes, it's, it's a government body that is paying him these checks. Yeah, so they know. So, so they know. But he's not an employee, so they're not doing the automatic deduction. Yeah. Oh, it's nice. I just found out that the ADSB is not deducting has not has not been i haven't been looking at my right no this is the first year this has happened though and i don't know why it happened Weird. they haven't deducted any income tax at all from my adsb now i grant you i didn't make very much money mm-hmm. it's only ten thousand dollars but they should have been taking off at least 
10%. Yeah, that's weird. And they always had been the years before I've worked for them. And last year, they didn't take anything at all. And I'm just going, uh, why? Anyway, I didn't bother asking them because I can, I can always change it. But it's weird. It was weird. Yeah. You know, so they took off CPP. No, they don't take off CPP anymore. They take off EI. They took off EI and stuff. And I actually had to pay union dues for one day that I worked for somebody who was in a union position. Show the money I made that day comes off. I, I had to pay union dues for one day of work. Mm-hmm. Really weird. $4.85. I think I could cope. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is, uh, yeah. so now we get, uh, so t- <laughs> Tony gets through with his, well, he doesn't get through with his account. He gets uh, invited down to the autopsy. And here we find out that they had a body like this, very similar a few months ago. It was decomposed, so he didn't find out all of the stuff he did from this body. And that one was just dismissed as homeless people fighting over, like, sleeping spaces or things like that. And somebody yeah. got stabbed and somebody ran off. And the case just went away. You know, nobody ever looked into it, gave it a further thought. But what's interesting is we find out the important detail is that the guy was stabbed upwards at a 45 degree angle, which is incredibly strange for a long bladed knife to go in from underneath. But even stranger is either these are new clothes that he's been dressed in, or if they're hurt, his clothes, they were, he was killed while naked because there's a great big hole from the sword in his chest, but there is no hole in the clothes. Nothing in the clothes. Also, the killer took the time to wash the body and wash the clothes before putting him back, uh, before dumping the body. So it's a very strange, and in, like, it's an incredibly strange MO. They have not seen anything, like, and immediately, right away, the Emmy knows there must be a connection. He just doesn't know what it means yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're off to a very, very interesting start to this episode. And of course the question is, and Tony's like, uh, why on earth are you bringing me in on this? You don't have anything to profile yet. Really? Like we just don't have that much evidence. And, uh, we do, we do have a fun scene where he actually does apologize for not knowing they were on a date. So that was nice. So could we try this again? Yeah. Maybe maybe we try that again. And he's like, uh, yeah, there's, but what he can say is this isn't a homeless turf war. This isn't a bunch of unhoused people fighting over territory. This has to be something ceremonial, right? Because, because there are no physical injuries. Exactly. There's no physical injuries otherwise. This this isn't a fight. This wasn't multiple stabbings. This is someone who is prepared to be murdered almost sacrificially. Yeah. Yeah. And they find a picture of a car in the area, right? Uh, but it's one of those CCTV cameras that only takes a photograph every 10 seconds. So they just happen to see the car or like one minute. So they don't have, have a, they only see a picture of the car. They don't have a pit, any idea of who was driving it. And uh, so that's an interesting thing. Also, both bodies were dumped in very narrow locations. One a disused lift shaft and one in an alley so narrow that like the guy had to leave the car outside and drag the body in. So he's purposefully 
putting people in tiny constrained locations. Because this body wasn't just in this narrow alley. It was inside a dumpster inside the narrow alley. So yeah, like there's, and Tony's like, there's got to be something meaningful about these dump locations. So again, uh, he might be, and I guess you're right, like, in saying that they're just not thinking about Michael right now. Yes. Because he's got, he's got his tax stuff. He's got his work stuff. He's got the stuff where he's gone on this date. He's, he's just, he is just distracted. Yes. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's an interesting case to be distracted by. Yeah, I think that that, that is the biggest thing about this is that it is an interesting case. Yeah. So that, so that you can actually believe mm-hmm. that he's not focused on trying to figure out anything else. Yeah. You know, because it's not all that important. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. Hit, and of course, he also notices one thing that he's like, doesn't understand the significance of. But both men were buried without actually being buried. They were both sent underground. Like, both of them were below street level. But they weren't at, like he didn't bury them somewhere. He still wanted it to be in public. And he's not sure. And he can't figure out the significance of it yet. And we can understand why. Yeah. When you actually find out. Yes, we do yes. actually get a very you go, good Oh, yeah. Okay. No wonder he couldn't figure it out. <laughs> I know, right? It definitely obscure. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. It's very well. It's, it's a well thought of case. So they pull in a bunch of homeless people to try and find out who the victim was. Right? Yep. Uh, they tr- and so they come up with a name, Robbie something. Don't remember the last name. Matter. Yeah. And they find a guy who's pretty sure it's him. And they're trying to say, did he go off with someone? Right? Was he working the street? Right? Did anyone approach him? Right? And the guy's just not willing to be helpful at all. He really yeah. does. <laughs> well, it's not that he's not willing to be helpful. He was so out of it, he wouldn't have noticed anyway. Yeah, that's true. It's basically what he said, you know. Well, you know, like, I don't remember much about that time, <laughs> that that day. Yeah. You know? And yeah, it's possible. Yeah, you know, sometimes guys come in and ask us for sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, yeah. you got to do what you got to do to survive. Yeah. Right. And then uh, we cut to the killer who has taken a bunch of photographs. We saw him wandering around taking photos of homeless people, obviously looking for his next target. Then, interestingly, we go to a radio show with the woman who is looking for her son. Yeah, that was that was so. Yeah. Yeah. Because like Jan- you're trying to figure out how these things are ever going to fit. Yeah. Well, I mean, she thinks he's homeless. So obviously at this point, you're like, yeah. maybe he was a first victim we don't know about yet. Yes. But his na- the son's name is, her name is Janet. Her son's name is James. And she's just desperate for any contact with him. And then she goes home and, you know, just hopes that he is phoned. And there are no messages, so she's still being distraught. But crucially, there is a photograph right next to the phone of the husband, an older, bald minister, and the son, who looks absolutely miserable in the photograph. Who is just unwilling to smile, even for the one second it takes to take the photograph. So again, a very meaningful image there. Yep. All right. Uh, The autopsy is finished. There was no sexual interference with the body. 
So Tony's like, okay, so it's not a sexual motive, at least not in a traditional way. And they had burn, and the very thing, uh, strange part is there was like a fire set in the car park nearby where the body was found, but the body was not burned at all. So it wasn't like, what's the connection there? So then, you know, then Tony says, well, were, the, were, were there fires with the other victims? Mm-hmm. And, but here's the weird part, both victims had traces of having just eaten before they were killed, because there was still undigested food in their stomach. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, ugh. And we get his little story about how the, like, it was an unusually precise stabbing, where literally the blade was stabbed in, so that the blood, the heart keeps pumping, but has nowhere to go because of where the knife is. So the essentially blood all just pools in the chest. Ugh. It's a very disgusting idea. I know. I, you know, it's like, cover your eyes. I know. No, you weren't seeing anything. It was just, it's so sad. I, yeah. but so horrible. Oh God, what a way for these guys to die. I know. And then we get, like, the strangest montage of the season so far. (laughs) With a guy, like, boarding up a room. Like, sealing up a room. At first, he's, like, cleaning up. It seems to be the place where the murders are done. Maybe. Because we see him pouring salt all over uh, the ground. uh, Over some blood stains on a carpet. Right? Mm -hmm. And then, so presumably, he's scrubbing it up. But then we get this like deeply strange sequence where he like closes a door and tapes over the door jam completely and makes himself sick with some kind of food and then stumbles away. Like it's obviously we're supposed to imply that this is the killer. And I mean, it is the killer, but like the meaning of this is truly strange. Yes. It's yes. Yeah. that, yeah, no, you can just, clear you at can all. just talk like it's it's not like as you're going along, this is truly one of those ones where you can't you you can't quite work out anything out about what the killer is doing. Right? Like yeah. even when we see him, it just still doesn't make sense. You yeah. know, we're, we're as puzzled as Tony is. So if we can't make sense of it, then I'm sure somebody might have made sense of it when they were watching it. But uh, mm-hmm. for most of us, the like, rest of just us, it's baffling. going to be, it is baffling. So we shouldn't be surprised that Tony is baffled as well. I All think right. that's part of it. So Tony finally gets um, the the psychiatrist on the phone. And says, hey, what's going on with the honeycomb? And she's like, I don't have the slightest idea what you're talking about. And he's like, yeah, but it's the literally the exact words you said. Right? How, uh, how sweet Well, that's why he thought it was her. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah, Because she said, how sweet of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, therefore, th- therefore yeah. it really isn't as contrived as it's we It's not that contrived, but at the same be. time, it's like, it's weird... <laughs> It's not that part isn't contrived, but the fact that she would like, he would think that she was going to, that she would do that. That's the part that's slightly contrived. But she's like, look, I've got bigger problems. 
than whatever you're dealing with right now. Yeah, I'm falling on the sword yeah, for you. Yeah, somebody's, yeah, as she says, someone's, uh, well, no, she doesn't say falling on sword because it's another key moment. She yeah. said someone's head is going to roll for this. Yeah, oh, don't even talk. I know, I know. Shouldn't have mentioned it, but yeah. She says someone's head is going to roll for this, and it looks like it's going to be me. And he's like, well, then what the hell is going on? Uh, and so Alex, since this all happened, Alex points out the, he offers the, um, uh, the honeycomb to Alex, right? And she responds, like, like, well, everything's strange. So, you know, hopefully we can figure out what this is. And then she asks him out to dinner again, which is very weird. Mm -hmm. It's deeply strange. She's thought about it and decided to give him another chance. Exactly. And he did not, like, cannot accept what he's just heard. But he's like, okay, let's do it. Japanese restaurant. But before they confirm up the plans, she gets a phone call Uh and her mother has died. This episode is, it's in a hurry. Like, this episode is really in a hurry. So she calls somebody. She gets a new uh, DI to come in, right? Because she's got to go deal with this, deal with the family stuff. But they've got to keep working the case. It's an important case. Yep. And then uh, he finds out about Andy Hall, who is a fast-track graduate who's quick and smart. And, of course... The immediate thing we're supposed to think is it's going to be another one of these guys who's, you know, thinks he's too smart for Tony and doesn't want to listen to Tony. <laughs> that is exactly what we are primed to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're primed. We're going to have this this obstructionist thing. He's yeah. going to be what, worse than Alex was in the I beginning, know. worse than Carol was in the beginning. Yeah. He wants no part. And turns out. Wait, wait, wait. We haven't gotten there yet. First, Tony no. gets home and and the the mystery person has showed up again. Leaving a bee. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. That one was weird. Yeah. Leaving a bee. Then things get real strange when we cut away to a naked woman in an apartment who's badly cut herself and written all over the walls. And you're like, what episode am I watching? It's so strange. That, that. I'm I'm still not convinced that that wasn't a, um, a, a time feller. I swear yeah, to God. Right. <laughs> so the next day, Tony tries to call. Never Fiona. made sense. Even by the end, it didn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh, calls Fiona. He uh, he tries to call Fiona to like ask her. Say there's something weird going on because first I got sent honeycomb based on what you said, and now I've been sent a bee. Uh, oh, and, um, then Kevin comes in to say, it's probably not going to be a good lead. We don't have any good suspects for, uh, homosexual sex offenders who might've been preying on the homeless. So that's probably not going to be a dead end. Obviously, realistically, we should require more time and interviews to do that. But I think we're just supposed to assume, like, that Kevin did all of that off camera or something. Oh, yeah. Kevin did all of that. Well, not only that, but if, if. If none of the victims so far have been sexually assaulted, assaulted exactly. why would you be looking? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you be looking? Well, you know, because, uh, well, no, because. If they do find one. Yes, that's true. 
I was just going to say that because it is a very common thing for these, you know, young homeless men to be picked up by homosexual predators. So, you know, it is you understand why, like, they have to look that way, since that seems to be what's happening. here. Well, and they have no other leads and they can't figure out what any of it means. So let's go with the tried and true in the beginning and maybe we'll get lucky. Exactly. All right. So, So then. Oh my god, then Tony meets the new uh detective inspector. Uh <laughs> Andy. Andy Hall. And uh I gotta say, just and he says, just FYI, um I studied psychology at Oxford, so you don't have to be sl- you don't have to over explain things to me. If it's anything I can do to speed up communication so we can work better together. That's going to be great. <laughs> and Tony's like, and what I love is that Tony's reaction is, okay, well, since you studied uh, at Oxford, why don't you tell me where we are psychologically in the case? Well, no, he makes a big deal. Of, <laughs> he does. I mean, Tony is being an asshole. He yeah. is, but that's what I love about it. And then, because the guy responds, okay, why maybe I shouldn't have, have brought up the psychology. <laughs> no, no, it's not the psychology. It's Oxford. Yeah. Uh, why would you bring up the Oxford? It seems like the only kind of people who do that are ones who want to feel special. (laughs) And what I love is that Tony is also assuming that this guy is going to be as bad as the rest of the other cops are. Yeah. Like, he is... I mean, I'm not saying he knows that he's in a fictional show. I'm not saying they're being meta with this. But it's like... It has gone a certain way so many times that he has just come to expect that it's going to go that way. Yes. And I really love that take on the situation. That it's like he has been taught to expect that it's going to be that way. But spoiler alert, uh, it's not. Yeah. Oh, and they find something new. Both of the victim's clothes had a bunch of salt on it. Like covering. And it had been sprinkled over them, notably over the left-hand shoulder. Like someone took a handful of salt and threw it over their left-hand shoulder. And a lot gathered there, but the rest got, you know, spread all over the clothes. Also, they found residue of paper on both of their skin. All over the body. Getting stranger by the moment. Yeah, and not like newspaper used to keep warm. Keep warm. Like, they can't even identify it. Now, the only thing that I would say is that they should have picked up on the clue of over the left shoulder. Yeah, they they really should have gotten that much. You know, I mean, that that one they should have got because that's pretty normal. I think it's still, you know, that people will, if you say, Mm. you know, oh, dear, like something bad happens and or something's, you know, somebody says something. Oh, well, throw some salt over your left shoulder. Keep the bad Keep the bad vibes bad away. Bad spirits away. away. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't. Maybe they don't say that in England. Yeah. I Who knows, know. right? <laughs> but, and one would have thought. Yeah. I should check that out one day. But yeah, no, so we're, we're moving along. And then the guy, of but course. What's great is, and this is what I love about the next scene, is Andy Proves yeah. to both A, does know exactly what he's talking about, 
and B, not get offended when Tony thinks he's wrong about something. Yeah. He's actually what? good at listening to Tony and figuring it out with him in a way that Tony's like never had the opportunity to have before. <laughs> I know. It's really weird for Tony because, you know, and the guy says, well, I, you know, I did, I did read your stuff for, uh, yeah, for my, my masters. So, uh, here, so, why don't you just read it and tell me what you think? <laughs> I'm, you know, and Tony's just like, uh, this is yeah, not. I, this is not how this is supposed to go. No, 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 no. no I am used why? to these. Like, I am very used to these interactions yeah. with the police being made of skepticism. Yeah, but the guy's like, no, I'm here. Like, we're all here to solve this, and I believe that you can be a value to it. <laughs> it's such a strange thing to put in the show, <laughs> but that's, we'll get into my theory, right? About that yeah. as we get towards the end of the episode. Right? And, but they talk about the big thing is serial killers generally escalate or get worse. And this killer is getting people to come to his house or uh, his house based on Right. Uh, based on perhaps offering them food and a bath or, as they say, maybe the bath is on condition of them, like the food is on condition of watching them bathe and maybe it's a sexual thing. Or maybe they're willing to go along because this is a woman who seems to be taking care of them. Right. And the women are thought of as being more caring. And then we're supposed to think, oh, my God. Is it this woman who is searching the streets looking for her son and killing the people who aren't her son? Or maybe she already knows her son is dead and she's taking that out on the others. Yeah, we, we get some reasonable red herrings in this one. We really do. It's it's yeah. actually well thought out. And so they he and the he immediately goes, and what I love is Tony has this counter thing. What it's a woman, he's like, okay, you're right. Paula, immediately start checking out the charities, soup kitchens, homeless charities. Are there any women who might fit a profile of the killer? And it's like, he's listening to Tony. He is doing what Tony thinks they should do. And it's like, it's so strange. After all of these years of Tony running into <laughs> such a hassle every time. Right? Yep. Oh, it's such an interesting choice. Uh... Oh which God. is why this which no, which is why this episode is actually so much better this time around. It is as I'm watching it. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Um, but I do love that. I do love that he had <laughs> just the fact, the fact that this guy, and this is the the subtext here. He doesn't carry a copy <laughs> of his thesis around with him. He's a fan of Tony's. And yeah. he brought his thesis with him in a hopes he could find an excuse to have Tony read his thesis. I know. <laughs> yeah, because he figures he can learn a lot from the best. Yeah. All right. And so I they try to. Yeah. yeah. It's it's so interesting. And so they try and figure out. Okay. Well, this, someone with this type of crime, right? Someone with this type of crime often has priors. So what kind of priors should be looking for? And they have an interesting conversation about, you know, solicitation or unlawful imprisonment. Is this the kind of person who, like, would get someone and not want to let them go? They try to talk through what the fires could possibly mean. Right? And yeah. so it's like, are they, are they creating the fires to make sure 
that the people find the bodies. But then Tony's like, but if you want people to find the bodies, why are you hiding them under cardboard out of the way? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's a very interesting idea. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, it's, it's a good episode because they're like going into all of the details of it. Oh, yeah. I, I, that, I think it is such a good episode that it's just barreling along. As yeah. we're talking, you almost don't have to go I watch know. it. I know, right? But like, there, it's, it's an incredibly dense episode, too. Yeah. Like, there's so much. And as you say, there's a bunch of really interesting red herrings, right? Mm-hmm. As I said, the only the only weird part is the girl. <laughs> yeah. And, and it it remains weird to the end. There is no part of the, the lady being, uh, right? Mm-hmm. There's no part of the lady that isn't very strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, she is the one that was banging on the mental. Yeah. Trying exactly. to get into the hospital. Mm-hmm. Well, no, and uh, there's a there's an extra detail where the Irish police find information on Robbie, right? Mm-hmm. They know who he is. Uh, he had a record for beating up his girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, and so, like, again, as they say, well, if he was violent, why didn't he fight back against his killer, right? So the, it just, the fact that he beat up his girlfriend just adds another layer to this unbelievably confusing situation. And it's like, why leave all of their personal belongings and set them on fire, right? If you're trying, supposedly trying to escape, like you want to get away, you've just dumped a body yet. They set a fire, which attracts attention. (laughs) It's all very confusing and they just can't get a hook on this guy. And so then we cut to the end of the, uh, uh, the end of the inquiry. And yes, as said, the Fiona is going to have to uh, is going to have to resign. And again, she says someone, and she makes the mistake of saying someone head has to roll, it's going to be mine. Uh, She says that in public. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which, (laughs) spoiler alert, (laughs) proves to be an error. (laughs) Yeah. Then we have Tony once again doing that thing we love he does where he uh, recreates the scene and imagines himself as the victim. And he looks at the staging and tries to figure out what the staging could possibly mean. But it's a puzzle, right? It just doesn't make sense. You know, what was the extra paper? What does the salt mean? Like, what it, what, what accelerant was used? Why, is the, why are the fires important? Why is the salt important? Why is hiding the bodies important if you're just going to attract attention? And while Tony's doing this, uh, Michael shows up and murders Fiona. Yes. Surprising finds- no one. No, surprising no one. There's a jar of bees in her fridge. Of all things. Yeah, well, if only she had had a chance to talk to Tony. But she was understandably distracted. Like, you can't blame her for being busy. Like, her entire career is being torn apart. But yeah, Mm -hmm. she opens up the fridge and she finds a jar of bees. Very weird. Very, very strange. Mm-hmm. And then we see Michael. Well, we don't see it as Michael. We just see a black figure. Yeah, but we know what's happening. Coming up. And then we switch back, I think, to, to Tony, Tony, who has up. slept. And again, it goes back to his MO, right? Uh, it goes back to his MO, where 
he has slept on the sleeping bag he laid out to be the body. Again, that is how much he internalizes identifying with the victims that he slept as the body. And he wakes up and he looks at his sketches again and he tries to see. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, except that when we're looking at him sleeping, there's the little there's the little thing that got me. I got the bee. Come on, a little. I know. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The bee is dead. Yeah. So that tells us if we hadn't already figured it out, Fiona is dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we see Tony uh, look over the um, uh, look over the he's back in the elevator shaft looking at the body. He's trying to figure out what it means. Then we see him go to a fancy building. Yeah. And this is where things get very puzzling. You're like, why has he gone to this fancy building? Why is he taking a bunch of brochures in this fancy building? Mm-hmm. He's getting to the highest building he can nearby, and he realizes all of the bodies were facing east. <laughs> so the sun would hit them in the morning. Yep. And he's well, like, okay, that's, that, that is a coincidence. And that is something that might be meaningful. He doesn't know what yet, but he thinks that it can't possibly be random. No, it can't really be a coincidence. It has to be deliberate. Yeah, this has to be meaningful. He just doesn't know what it means. Oh, Tony, we love you. Yeah. Then we see the killer again going through his uh, photographs of various people looking for a new victim. Yeah. And he finds one. Mm Mm-hmm. Oof. They find a guy who... uh, Then we see the team going through men who have kidnapped other men mm-hmm. and uh, attacked them. But, you know, not murders. They'd be, still be in jail. People with knives, people who've attacked homeless men, just trying to figure out what it could be. All right. But <laughs> and the, one. And they're, and they're like, he's grabbing and, uh, you know, uh, and the uh, he's the new DI is he's grabbing some and he's letting other go others go. And they're like, OK, let's go interview this guy who we like we cut between that we go uh cut between the guy taking the bath we cut between right uh and we see that he was right about the bath being important to the guy's fetish because he even draws the bath for the victim yes and then we see the victim trying to eat food like uh eat rice with chopsticks while the killer prepares some kind of a weird mat in the background and prepares his bowl of salt. And we, again, are getting a sense of how much of an intense ritual this is. He even sets up mirrors around the room. And Tony continues his attempting to feel like the victim. Right? Uh, attempting to feel like the victim by <laughs> taking it, like, soaking himself in a bath. And we see that the killer's ritual is unbelievably strange. Because he blinds the guy with a mirror before stabbing him. It's a very weird MO, this guy. Well, it is, yes, and it is clearly ritualistic, oh, but yeah. very, very weird. And how would he set it up? And what do all of these things mean? Mm-hmm. Well, and then Tony makes the call. This is a ritual killing. Like 100%. 
this is not sexual. Stop looking for sex offenders. It's a ritualized killing. That's why there's no escalation. That's why the guy isn't becoming more brutal or escalating in some way in his crimes. It's because the, like, the way it's carried out is the most important part of the crime. Because like, with a, with a sex crime, you always escalate because, as with any fetish, you always need to get to a more extreme example of the fetish. But with a ritualized killing, the satisfaction is from carrying out the ritual perfectly. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, and we get the scene because in the background... He's called his new DI. Everyone is getting suited up for the raid on the sex offender they want to, uh, you know, they want to, they want to uh, investigate. But the guy's like, "Are Tony, I have committed resources to this. If I now say it is not a sex thing and we just let the, we cancel this raid, it's going to be a big deal if I'm wrong. And Tony's like, no, I'm sure. And the guy's like, well, you're sure we're going with you because you're Tony yeah. Hill. <laughs> Poor Tony. Yeah. What do you mean you're going with me? I don't have to argue with you. <laughs> oh, okay. You're just going to trust my judgment here. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. He gets you know, off the phone and he calls I, it off. And it's just so neat to see Tony getting respected. Yeah. Uh, and then the next morning, Tony gets himself another package. And it's a good housekeeping journal. Uh, a daily journal. Oof. And the last, and all of the pages have been torn. It's Fiona's. And every single page has been torn out of it, except for her last meeting with Tony Hill. So, yeah. And, of course, he immediately knows what happened. And he calls the precinct and says, you've got to get over. Yep. To her house. Something bad has happened. He goes there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that whole scene is just so as he's walking in Fiona, Fiona, and he hears things, mm-hmm. and he goes and turns off the music, and oh. then he hears bubble, 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 you know, and, just, and he looks at the pot, and I'm just... I know. I mean, I am so glad they did not show, show us, us the head in the pot. But... Yes, the, the head in the pot. But, oh but my God, just knowing that it's there. Even this time, I yeah. was. Does he open that lid? I know, but he right? Have to because he, he saw knows. the body. He well, knows. He saw the body. He yeah. sees the body, and he knows. He doesn't have to confirm it. Mm-hmm. But oh, yeah! It's 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 a brutal episode. Yes. Yeah, but now Tony's I, in real trouble because he's got yeah. two cases going on. Mm-hmm. But you've got. I mean, what's interesting about structuring up? this last episode is that you have this very ritualized thing going on, mm-hmm. which Michael kind of used to do. Oh yeah. And then, and now Michael's just taking revenge. Yeah. yeah. Right. He may be doing it in weird ways, but he's just taking revenge. Oh, absolutely. You he's know, whereas just trying to get back the ritual, Tony. therefore the ritual murder is so slow, you know, like developing it, understanding it. Yeah. It's like that part of it, it, you've got the chaos and the mm-hmm. and the structure, the ritual. Going, exactly. Right? And Michael is the one this time who's chaotic. Yeah. Yeah, and being completely unpredictable. No, it mm-hmm. is interesting because it shows him changing in some way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so then 
the D his new DI shows up and his Andy shows up and is 100% supportive. <laughs> and he's and like, Tony to- well, Tony is understandably devastated. He's like 100% supportive. I understand why you didn't see Michael coming, but we'll figure this out. You know, we'll, we'll figure this out. And the first way they're going to figure out is, uh, Kevin's moving in with Tony. Yeah. Because- Tony's not going to be alone for a second. Until Michael has been caught. And that is a non-negotiable situation. Yeah, what's really, yeah, what's really funny is that, you know, Tony's going to, he's, you know, he doesn't even give Tony the chance to say, I don't need. He says, I know you don't need. You think you don't need, but you know your next, your Michael's next target. Obviously. You know it. He's showing off. He first, like, he walked right past, he went to the hearing. He walked right in front of him in the hearing. He's showing off and he is ramping up to something. And the only thing he can be ramping up to is killing you. So no, we're not going to have a conversation about this. You're getting protection. Yeah. Because again, his new boss is good at his job. (laughs) And understands Tony. And And exactly understands Tony enough to know that he would, of course, he's going to resist it. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to resist it. That's who Tony is. You know, he cannot be the victim. And that's why, I mean, he spends all of this time, you know, (laughs) identifying with the victim. And so, but he's not going to see himself as one. (laughs) Because Tony is a strange, conflicted man. Yes. Oh, you gotta love him. And, uh, yeah. And as I say, and of course, Kevin asked the big thing, which is, is it possible, like, Michael's also the one doing the homeless kill? And uh, Tony's like, nope, no, this is a complete, these are completely separate things. Okay, well, good. Yeah. <laughs> At least because now once, we know. once the DCI accepts that, then yeah. everybody else can easily accept it. Oh, Just yeah, 100%. He's, he says Tony's good on you, so. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. All right. So then we cut back to the uh, the mother of the missing boy. And she's got a letter. And inside the letter is a is hair that has been braided into a circle. And so now we find out like why she's so sure that her son is still alive because she's been receiving things. Yeah. Oh, and then we see the newest victim getting found, once again stabbed through the chest, redressed, put below ground this time in a uh river tunnel. Um. Yep. <laughs> Yep. And with a fire. Yep. It's all precise. And so Andy asks, okay, well, what does it mean? Right? The position of the fire, right? It uh right. It's important that the body is underground. It's important that the fire is to the east and he's facing that way. But the question is Ah, what does it mean? All vegetable but they find out that he was fed all vegetable matter, no meat. Mm-hmm. And there was weirdly, and they find something very strange, oil-based makeup in his hair that was yeah. white. Very odd. Like, very, very strange. And at this moment, Janet Williams comes in to ask about her uh, son. People, homeless kids have been killed. Her son is sleeping rough. She got this hair in the mail. It's right? her son's kid. 
Yeah. Is my son now dead? And so she's now sure, right? She was sure he was alive the whole time he was, she was looking, but now that the hair is there and she thinks he might be dead. Oh, and now the question becomes, uh, why do you think you're like, why do you think your son ran away? Have, right? Did he want to kill himself? What's going on? And then, ooh, we find out that the husband was a vicar. Duh, I mean, we already know that, but Tony finds out. And Tony starts interrogating her, right? How bad was it? Yeah. Why did he disappear? And as he says, you've spent the past five years asking yourself, why did my son run away? Like she couldn't figure it out. Yeah, I know. And then I'm going, I mean, it was, it was so listening to her. I mean, talk about denial. And she says, he doesn't even know his dad is dead. Like, why would this kid yep. even care? Mm-hmm. He would probably say good riddance to bad rubbish if he was <laughs> halfway reasonable. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. Oh. I mean, this was terrible. And and as Tony said, and when did it start? Two, three? I mean, this child had been brutalized his entire life. Mm-hmm. Her Although we don't get to that point yet. But yeah. Uh, so... Tony looks over the homeless victims, right? Uh, They're all being picked up, right? So what does that mean, right? So it's like, why is he searching? Like, why is that part of it important that these victims be homeless people? And so he he walks outside to get some fresh air and try to experience outside. And he sees a weird sequence where he sees a bag floating around. Yeah. Just watches a plastic bag floating around. And for some reason, this sparks something in him. His brain, his brain is as weird as Monk's brain. Right. Right? His brain just starts to think about all the stuff that's going on. And he rushes back into the police station. Yep. And says, do we still have all the bags of garbage from each of those (laughs) victims? Yeah. And I don't know this game he was talking about. So because he gets Kevin and Paula to work with him. Oh, he's talking about memory, where you um, flip over cards, right? And try to see see if you can remember where the matches were. And he's looking to see if there are matches in any in the piles of garbage. And he finds out that, yeah, there are. Every victim. And he's like, oh my god, there are matching uh, bottles of water. There are matching... Uh... uh, uh... Things that go into your drinks. Yeah, Paracel- drink cocktails, drink paracels, pieces of broken glass. Yeah. And they actually find that three specific things have been left. Yes. And we don't know what or why, but we know that the killer is leaving these items. Then we go back to uh, this person scratching messages onto cars. Yes. Yeah, and it's like, so the body, the fire, and the items, these are all part of the ritual. These are all part of the M.O. <laughs> and as he says, what on earth, what kind of a ritual needs a broken mirror and a cocktail umbrella? Yeah, that and Tony's cocktail like, umbrella is a real... And Tony's point. like, the, uh, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter if it makes sense to us. It makes sense to him. And the best part is that uh, as he's talking this over, he's brought Kevin to the same restaurant. 
Yes. <laughs> the sushi restaurant again. Yep. And then we find out that the great big ball of rice they keep by the front door is for cleansing spirit, oh, evil spirits. Salt. Sorry, salt. Yes. By the front door is for cleansing big, evil spirits. Big bowl of, because he goes to to taste it and the wait the, the uh yeah the the hostess hostess comes up and says oh that's not for eating yeah well why well that's to keep the evil spirits away mm -hmm. and you then, know uh, and then out of completely nowhere we see a middle-aged japanese man pick up a prostitute yeah <laughs> like, what the hell is this? why are we seeing this now <laughs> another red herring well, no, it's not a red herring. This one is connected. This one is connected. It turns out this one is connected. But it does come out of nowhere. Here's a completely new character picking up a prostitute. We're like, yes, but what? he it is come on. It is a red herring in it the sense. It is a red herring. I think yes. it is him. No, you're right. It is uh but in the that sense, part is, yes, it is connected yeah, it is. to the killer. The, the killer. But we don't know that yet. Yeah. It is a red herring if you think he's the killer. Uh, so Kevin and Tony spend the whole night researching Japanese rituals. Yep. And they start to find it because now yeah. they know the salt thing and they start putting in the other and the knife blade and they yep. come up with an answer. But before we find out what that answer is, Tony talks with Alex, who we find out they haven't actually told about Michael's return and the death threat. Yes. Well, she's grieving. Yeah, she is. And they don't want to distract her. But while he's asking about her dad, there's an explosion <laughs> outside Tony's house. So Tony gets brought into the police station. <laughs> In what can best be described as, I don't know, right, an intervention? Yes. <laughs> Where, like, all of these guys need to catch Michael, right? <laughs> and they're like, here's the thing, Tony. Uh, we need to use you as bait to catch Michael, but we also need you to tell us how he's going to try to kill you if it's going to work. <laughs> oh, my God, it's such a good Because you're scene. the expert on Michael, so you're going to have to tell us. Yeah. And it isn't even the DCI who does it, right? Yeah. It's one of the other cops. I mean, because... This is a, we don't usually see the bigger team. Yeah. But there is a bigger team that Working works. Working on this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, okay, Tony, enough already. Yep. <laughs> you talk to us and you explain this to us because you are the one who knows. Yep. Oh, and Michael, so, and so Tony nice. finally goes, oh yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess I have to. <laughs> You're going to use me as bait, eh? Well, yep. okay. Yeah, um, okay, here's what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And he explains it all. There's going to be a distraction of some sort. There's going to be this. Or Michael is really smart. He's not yep. He's going he's gonna to make you absolutely sure he's attacking way X. And then yeah. he's going to come at you from way Y. So, yep. uh, so Tony then has to give the team an explanation of Shinto rituals yeah right and the idea and as he explains uh there's no set rituals it's about coming up with a ritual and following it perfectly to purify yourself and, and so he's yeah. like this has to be a purification ritual 
about the land of the dead. But you were saying, and then? Oh, yes. No, I was going to say, and then (laughs) he will immolate him or kill him. Exactly. If he has become completely purified, he will will get to that point. Then he will kill himself. Now, that is very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Very, very interesting because this, if you see, we don't have time to think when we're watching it. No. But if you think back, of course, so the sealing up of the particular room probably indicates that he's getting close to his end game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because he has the, he has the ridiculous freaking out he does. Yes. That is the one side of his persona. And he has the, all of the attempts to, uh, purify himself in this incredibly mannered way that are the other side of his persona. It's very interesting and very interestingly done. <sighs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. And then we cut back to the woman with the torn apart <laughs> with the torn apart room and all of the sketching everywhere. And see her looking out a window to where the mirrors are hung in the room across the way. Yeah. This is such a very strange scene. Yes, well, it's to indicate that we know that she has been watching this yeah, going on. She exactly. is schizophrenic. She is schizophrenic. And she was obviously fall- starting to fall apart, and while she was still well enough to um, know that she was falling apart, she tried to get into the hospital. Yes. And she has been, and her connection to the crime is that the murder room is like across the hall. Well, across, no, it's in another building. I mean, sorry, across the courtyard, not across Across the the courtyard. Yeah. Yeah. And she can see it. So she's been watching it. She looks upstairs out her window a lot of the time. Yep. And And of course, is it reality or isn't it? Yeah. And so the killer shows up and stabs her. It is, yeah, just stabs her to death without any of the ritual. But it's the same weapon. Yes. Yeah. That's the key, right? It's the same. And he does put on his paint. Yeah, he does put on his paint to do it. And as Andy says, why the frenzied attack? Why none of the, why none of the steps? Why none of the ritual? Why did he just stab her to death? And Tony's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going. We never know. Exactly. And you do you have know, the great somewhere. moment. Uh, but you do have the great moment where he and Kevin get in the elevator to go back to the ground. And he's like, actually, no, let's check out the garage. Uh-huh. And, oh. uh, yeah. And there they find the car where bastards kill people has been carved into it. And now we see the sketch. Right? I see you, killer. I see you, murder. And Andy's like, you sure she's not the killer? You said the killer would jot all of this down. And the yeah, like, no, no. he was a witness. Yeah. She was a witness. Mm-hmm. And she could see it. And she, but of course, being being is in 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 this schizophrenic mode, right? She doesn't know whether what she's seeing is real, real or, or not. not. Yep. You know, it could be part of part of it because we did see her sitting before he comes to the door. You know, she's going, it's not the police. It's not the police. Even yep. before the knock comes. It's like she knows, I guess she might have seen him 
putting the makeup and stuff on. Mm-hmm. I don't know, and there was no one in there to kill. I don't yet yeah, like, like she must have. No, she must have because he was directly across. And the thing is, it's not far, yeah. and it's a shared car park because the car, as they find out, is registered to Mr. Akita, who's the man we saw picking up the prostitute. Yeah. And that's the car that she uh scratched up, and that's why the guy knew he was being watched, and that's why he went and killed her and killed the witness. Yes. I mean, it's it's slightly convoluted, but you do, it does all make sense once you hear once, all of the pieces. Yeah, once you hear all of the pieces and you start to think about it, but you yeah. have to start to think about it. Yeah. So they go and they see Mr. Akita and they find out, and it turns out uh, that the guy whose car it is, the first body, was in the disused elevator shaft of the same building where his bank is. So now he has a 100% direct connection to it. And he says, and this is the key part, he says, I don't own that, that's not my car. I don't own that car anymore. I only have new cars. And he claims that he doesn't own any apartments nearby either. He just has one apartment in Bradfield. But he does own buildings. But he does own buildings, but then none of them are his apartments. Yeah. He doesn't live in any of the buildings he owns. Yeah. And he says, I can't explain why the, uh, why the car, why a car that he owns was down there in the car park of the building where she was killed. And he's like, I don't know the woman who was killed. I don't have any connection to that building. I no longer have a connection to that car. And it's interesting because obviously the car is registered to him. So he must know who has the car, but he's not helping them. Like at this at this moment, Mr. Akita has to know who the killer is. Right? Mm, not necessarily. Well, I mean, he knows who ended up with the car. You see what I'm saying? Like, anyway, that's something we can discuss. Yeah, but it would have been if if the car is from 10 years ago and now we're talking about this guy's like as we find out it's two or three years and why would he have been left the car he might have stolen the car well no but this is the key part uh they the woman hears on the news uh, janet williams hears on the news that uh <clears throat> excuse me uh that a oh. japanese guy was arrested because the press are ridiculous she's like before my son disappeared, James, right, he went for an interview at the same bank that Mr. Akita runs. Yeah. Now, and under, yeah, because we've missed the step where they do take him down to the police station to in, interview. Oh, yeah, this is all happening there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that that's where it's like some of it isn't ha- happens initially in the bank, but they take him down. To the they police. do take him down to the police for the so big that's part where of the he interview. is, And that's where Janet Williams comes. Yeah. And, and brings this is the, up. Yeah. And this is the key part. Uh, immediately, Mr. Akita, and this is why I say he knew who the killer was immediately, right? Because, uh, he knew the killer was immediately because the minute they put James's face in front of him, right? The minute they put James's face in front of him, uh, he recognizes him and does not hide it at all. No, okay. See, here's the, yeah. And that's the thing, because 
they show him all of these people who've been killed because his house, he's got all of these things as well yep. around. And he's Japanese and he has a, has a Shinto shrine, so mm-hmm. which is not abnormal. No, um, not at all. And not at all. And he, but, you know, he's, um, he doesn't recognize any of the other ones. And after Janet comes in, they bring a picture of. Yeah, that's when they bring the picture. Exactly. Yeah. After Janet has come in. Then they say, okay, well, let's, let's try this. And that's, and that's when it becomes very, very sad for. Yeah. All right. So they immediately find out that Mr. Akita, despite what he says, does own an apartment directly across in the building, directly across the way with the shared car park. Yeah. So uh, now they 100% know exactly where the killer's operating out of. Uh, and so they, uh, she, and the interesting thing is, so she, uh, he, they, Tony asks her if she went to the bank after he disappeared, right? Mm-hmm. And this is the, uh, and he, they said he wasn't. But apparently the dad and the son had a fight about it because the father had been in a Japanese prisoner of war camp. No, the father's, no, the father's father. father's father, the grandfather, yes. Grandfather. Sorry, I should have made that clear whose father I was talking about. And so he could never forgive the Japanese. And so uh Tony's like, did uh did they have you know, like a lot of fights? And this is where we get the when you say fights and violent fights, how early did they start having these fights? Two years old, three years old? And you're like, Oh this poor child. And the mother did not stop it. Yeah, never stopped and, the abuse. Well, you know, I, it's it, yeah. it because and was really problematic. You know, um, mm-hmm. you, you fully understand. It doesn't seem that he beat his wife up. Nope, just the son, so just the child. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, as he says, uh, and now Tony has to break it the news to the mother that yeah, that hair you got sent wasn't the son. Your son sent the envelope. The hair was from one of his victims. Yeah. That's right. The missing son was the killer the whole time. Yep. Oh. And now she has to deal with that one. Yeah. And I will say she mm-hmm. does the right thing. Yep. Um, as Tony's, because, you know, Andy says, well, you think you're, this is the right way to go about it? And he said, it's the only way if you want to keep him alive. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. And she does agree that to just go and tell him how sorry yeah. she is and how at least this is going to distract him enough. Because, of course, what has happened is that he is in the final stages of the ritual. The funny thing is, is that this the last guy he picked up yeah. fights him. Oh, yeah you know, is not taking this at all and is probably in better shape and hasn't been homeless as long. long. I mean, it's also possible to read it as he's getting sloppy with his selection choice, because although the ritual isn't changing, he's decompensating in that he needs victims faster. Like he needs more victims and he needs them sooner. Well, yeah, because he wants to. Yeah. 
but or this is his perfection. I you see, we don't ever get any answers from him. No, but it's worth noticing that like the first victim was like a year ago, and now he's doing one victim a week. Yeah, okay. He's obviously like something is going, and he's reaching out to his mother and yeah. taunting her with the fact that he's become a killer. So obviously, this is all taking a very big toll on him as well. Yeah. So. Yeah. But anyway, this guy manages at least to fight. Oh yeah. Um, now he doesn't isn't very successful at fighting, <laughs> no. and except that it has given him time, yeah. right? And don't do this to me. And it's as if the killer is waiting for something. Yeah. Is he waiting for the police to show up? Well, no, is and that's the question. It's I like he know. seems to be know. going. It it does because it's like. He seems to know he's going to get caught at this point yeah. because he just walked into that. Uh, like he murdered someone across the street from him. Yeah. He ran around in his costume in public. Yep. You know? So he is. So he's on his way out. Yeah. And that's why he was. And that's why I think he wasn't as careful with selecting this victim because he just needs one more for him to take out on his way out. As the final purification ritual. Yeah. And honestly, more... you the the show doesn't say this, right? No. But my oh, no. reading, my reading is it of it is that like he purified himself, right, and then killed the people as a prologue to killing himself before you know before his suicide, right? But every time he copped out of the suicide. And I think this time he might have actually done it. And that's why he needed one more victim to make sure he was purified before he finally killed himself. And he's doing it recklessly this time. Is my thought. But again, I can't prove that. The show does not get into it. Yeah, and it does kind of cause a weird time yeah. thing because he picks this victim up mm -hmm. and then goes out and kills, or he killed the girl, I guess. Before, yeah. He killed the girl before, and then this is the aftermath. Like, this is his aftermath thing. But when does he pick up that victim? Oh, right at, like, the next day after he kills the girl. Okay, so yeah. there is, so I'm, I'm, it, I'm just. You're doing the order slightly wrong, yeah. Of, of the chronology. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because, as I said, to, for me, the girl was always problematic. But yeah. I guess you might say that it was there to indicate that he is starting to fall apart. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so that's and then they point. so all the cops arrive and they bring the mother there to talk to him, and it's very, it is very rough. Yeah, but it distracts him enough. Yeah, that the guy gets away. Yeah, it does. His victim gets away, mm -hmm. and Which, that means that, thank heavens. Yes, thank heavens. Because one good thing came out of this. Yeah, and um, it does mean that he can't complete the ritual because he can't kill himself unless he completes the ritual. Yeah. So, and he just collapses and it gets so, taken away. Yeah. And my question is, and this is something we get no answers from, uh, right? Two, yeah. No answers to. Yeah. The, he, the, the guy manages to turn the tables and stab him with his own knife, but it looks like it's not that bad a stabbing. We'll see. Yeah. But the thing that we don't get an answer to is what was going on with his boss? Right? Yeah, I know. I know. Because, like, 
there was something weird going on with his boss that we don't get an answer to. And because, like I said, the minute he knows he's got, uh, he knows that he gave his old car to James. He knows that he has set up James in a building across through the thing. But he doesn't tell them that until they say they already know who James is. Yeah. He doesn't, like, he could offer them information. He knows who has that car. He knows that uh, he's got someone living. He thinks he can get away with it until he's confronted with the fact that they know who the killer is. And then he, he gives it up. Well, and, yeah, but I, I can remember thinking the first time, well, did this Japanese guy, was he his friend and was teaching him how, you know, all about Shintoism? And he must have. Like, but, that's that that was my I can remember original then. But the more watching, because, you know, you think you've, you've missed things going through and they're not that important. Come on. Yeah. You're right. Until we start talking about it. And then it gets more and more confusing as we go along, because I know the first time I watched that, that was the assumption I made. And that's you. Like that ago, has to be right. That that somehow or another, this guy was had befriended him and for whatever reason, let him go from the business thinking that he wasn't who they said he was. But this guy knew, but he had taken to sort of look on the this boss as a father figure who and taught who taught him then all of this stuff gave him the apartment so that and he could keep it after but why would he do that no no they because remember he does the job at the bank he's just not working there he seems to be being paid not to work there yeah well, well, they ostensibly he worked there for a while, and then they found out he'd faked his CV. Supposedly, but that we only have the boss's word for that. Yeah, know? and then then off he goes. Like the guy becomes he, he his, is essentially uh, his benefactor. Yeah, and you know, so I can see this guy sort of, and it would be see, it would make sense that our killer here, James, um, would pick a Chinese. Japanese alternate father Japanese because of his because of his hatred of his father yeah of his hatred of his father so mm-hmm. therefore maybe the Japanese had done a good thing killing the grandfather if only Not, they killed yeah, his father yeah, exactly right so right this is what I'm saying like there's all I'm saying is and I mean I I think you can say I'm right about this definitely something weird was going on between him and that boss that we never get any explanation. No, we never get any explanation for. And, and it's it frustrating. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was definitely not sexual in, in its no. component. No, you know? it doesn't seem um, to have been. No, there is nothing that, that is sexualized about any of this. Of that relationship, it's, yeah. Of that relationship. It, it is, and I do remember thinking about that the first time I watched it. It's the weirdest part about the episode. It, and it's a very weird episode. Yes. You know, that, yeah. And, well, well, there are so many things you don't get an answer to. But Yeah, I know. But this one, this is, you got to agree with me. This is a big one. Yeah, no, this is, this is a big, it's not a plot hole. No. Not in it's the sense. Just, we, it's this weird feeling where it's like, you know, you're not being told a big part of this story. Yes. Now, you see, if they had, if they had. Maybe who knows what the decision was. Maybe 
you know, maybe they had written the two stories and that's why. Because remember, I always think that this girl yeah. is just like, like, like doesn't fit the story at all. <laughs> I know. Like yeah. if, if she had been watching this all the time and had called the police and nobody listened to her because she was schizophrenic. Yeah. Because when the police would come over and look through the window, they would never see anything. Yeah. And they would see right? the state of her apartment. And and they would see the state of her apartment. They might have even gone over and knocked on the other guy's door. Yeah. You know, like th this James's door, knocked on his door and Something everything. Something like that, perfect, yeah. And it's very Japanese. Yes, but that's not a surprise. And there's no sign of any crimes. No sign of any crimes, no blood, no nothing. Everything is completely. And yet mm -hmm. she's rambling and raving about all of this. Like if that had been part of it. Yeah. I could have seen maybe then she would have made sense. She doesn't make sense from my perspective because she doesn't tell anybody. Well, I mean, she, uh, all, well, don't no, she tells the killer. <laughs> well, yes, but that's, yeah, that's you know. a whole other thing, but that's a whole other thing. But even, even if she had, but you know, she, yeah, she could have told the killer. She did. But then that would be quickly. No, no, this is what, no, that's not what I'm saying. She could, like she okay, she did by scratching it on the car. Yeah. Tell tell him and then he comes over and kills her. Right? Mm -hmm. But you don't need I I guess that gets you to the car, which gets you to the Yeah, gets you to the businessman. Car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but, I mean she feels so out of oh, place I with the rest of the episode. why he did this. Go. I know why he why he was taking care of this guy. Go is that he probably sort of befriended him and found out, of course, that his grandfather, about his father right. and his grandfather and is killed in making the... up for it. Maybe. <laughs> That's the thing. We That's can say actually, maybe. It works. That could actually work, that he, he is sympathetic and therefore he has... Been he taking care of him as his... a... Yeah. No, I think he, that can work. Yeah. He he is making his penance. Yeah. I could, I could definitely read it sense, that way. The sins of his grandfather. Well, it would be his father. I mean, not his. Man, but yes. Yeah, not his particular. Specifically, yes. <laughs> but, but for the sins of his. Well, Ancestors. The sins of his culture. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you could read it that way. But yeah. it's just, there's something but going on know. with the two. All I'm saying is, there's something going on with the two of them that the show just isn't clear about. And I don't have a good theory on it. And it's well, like, we kind of have an okay theory, but it's like, fundamentally, we're left. It's part of the reason the uh, episode feels so frustrating is because we know we haven't heard the whole story. We know yeah, we there's have. a rest of the story that we didn't get to hear. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just kind of wondering mm -hmm. whether something happened when the whether they had a full episode and then they decided to wrap up the Michael episode stuff in the same episode. Is that what you're saying? Uh, actually, no. What I was going to say is that maybe the idea of a ja the, the Japanese doing penance and the rest of it for the sins of the, of the Second World War <laughs> had to be like left out. Did, had to be pulled and they had to do something else with it. And that's why we don't have a story. <laughs> maybe it's quite possible in the right. 2000s yeah so who knows i mean we've got we've got we've got all sorts of things to come up with <laughs> yeah it is only the second time that we have felt the need to kind of try and do a rewrite of some part of it yeah Normally and yet it's we do a not have solid to do that upside. Here. 
It is. It really is a solid episode. It's very interesting. And there's a lot of, it's just so strange. Yeah. All right. So now we get to the end of the episode, which is they go, and by they, I mean, obviously, Tony and Kevin, who's still sticking to him like glue, uh, go to the funeral. Yeah. They go to the funeral of Alex's mother. And then we get to the end. Right. And then they, they're driving back and they're out of gas and Kevin's confused because, because he filled the car he, up. He swear he filled the car up and suddenly they're driving home from the funeral and Kevin goes to fill it up. And when he gets back, Tony has disappeared. He goes to pay. And when he gets back, Tony has disappeared. And yeah, we, we see Tony talking. wake up in a van, comes yeah. to inside a van and he knows exactly what's happened. He got chloroformed by Michael and now he's stuck in a van. But he's not tied up, nothing like that. And so what does he do? He takes off his tie and gets ready to fight. Mm-hmm. But for the first point, he tries to take my, talk Michael out of it. Yeah. And they have a truly great interaction. Based on Descartes. Body separation. I know. It's good. And as Tony says, it's like, what? what are you going to get out of killing me? And to Michael says, I wanted you to cure me, but you were a failure just like the rest of them. And I only kill failures. And Tony says, and which I love this. You still want to talk, though. You could have killed me. You didn't have to knock me out here. Yes, and you could have. Well, yeah. And the thing is, mm-hmm. as Tony says, but Michael, you want to kill me because I know who you are. Yeah. You can kill I mean, me, but really you can't wasn't. kill me understanding you. Yeah. Which is such a nice man. <laughs> like it's yeah. Such a beautiful little thing for him to hold over Michael's head. You can't kill that I know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. He cured. And I basically, you know, it's not a failure on Tony's part because there was nothing that could be done. Mm-hmm. So. And the question is, uh, as he says, Descartes said the mind and body could exist independently of each other. Let's try that out. (laughs) Jesus. So they have their fight. And the thing is, uh, Tony manages to get the better of him. And he wraps his tie around uh, Michael's neck and strangles him to death. And that's the last thing that happens on Wire in the Blood. And Tony walks outside, yep. and all we see is this increasing, the the shot of his face. Pan, it pans yep. in, the camera pans in as his mm-hmm. face is just getting. You know, you can just see as he's understanding what he had to do, yeah, and what he did. Uh, and that goes and against way, everything. everything. Well, everything. and one thing I adored in this is the performance of the guy playing Michael. Yeah. Who, in his last moment, looks so genuinely surprised that he lost. Yeah. It didn't occur to him that it was going to go this way. Yeah. It didn't occur to him that Tony could possibly have won this. But Tony does. Yes. And now we get to our analysis of it and why this is such an interesting episode. And why I'm so... Uh, so annoyed that we don't get more. And the reason for me is the thing that's so important is at the end of it, this is an entire episode that forces us to ask if like 
everything we know about Tony up until this point, like, not, is he not relevant anymore? But, like, does he have to keep being Tony Hill? Is he necessary? So let me try and explain what I mean by this. Okay. Because it literally, like, the whole episode is, like, does he have to live this cloistered existence? Could a relationship work? Could he go on this date? Could he and Alex be a couple? Right? It's the first time he's ever actually had to address that idea. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, could it work? And, I mean, it is comfortable. He is more comfortable with her than we've ever seen him be with a woman. Yeah. We've never seen him be this comfortable. We've never seen him, you know, like, have the possibility of just dinner with her in a relationship, talking about relationship stuff as equals. That's never something he could have before. And we're shown a version of him where that could actually work. And then in the episode, like, and then he is completely vindicated. Like his entire career up to this point has been fighting against the, the, well, not, not, not not the police part, the establishment, the psychological establishment. And suddenly the establishment is listening to him and admitting he was right and taking his, right, taking his advisements and they're going to take him more seriously in the future. And then you get to the police. And even though Alex, who's supposed to be his advocate, isn't there, he's taken seriously and treated as an equal rather than an outsider. And they listen to his advice. It's not like it used to be with Carol, where he would tell her not to do X and she would do X and then she would have to apologize to him after her not listening to him screwed everything up. Now the police are just listening to him. It is a total transformation of his relationships that happen in this episode. And he's faced with this situation. He says, you know, I've never lived with anybody before when Kevin moves in. Yeah. Like every one of his things. And the thing is, Kevin living with him for a week doesn't cause any problems. Yeah. They worked having another man in the room with him while they go through the, you know, the late night Tony obsessively researching doesn't cause him any problems. Like all of, in this one episode, all of Tony's ideas about himself are called into question. He could be a, like, he he could be in a relationship. He could work with the cops with someone other than Alex, right? He could be an insider instead of an outsider. And then right at the end of the episode, he has spent the entire show projecting himself onto the victims and projecting the victims experience onto himself. And the last thing he does is become a killer. Yeah. It is an episode about calling into question every single element of Tony's self-identification. And we don't get to see what happens next. I know. And I'm still waiting for the next Val McDermott book. <laughs> yeah, except that's not going to give us any answer because th- this this no. Tony is such a completely different Tony than her Tony because this Tony has, in the years since Carol left, grown and changed. Yeah, well, what's inter- what, well there is some interesting stuff in there yeah. um, in, in the sense of Tony changing but it's all it's very different tony has become a very different person but yeah i mean i i know i mean you wanted to know 
because at the end, after the funeral and, and Alex is just a wreck and she's taking more time off because mm-hmm. she needs to spend time with her father. I I mean, I always love the fact that they never, that they allow, the, or they do the makeup so someone looks as if they have been yeah. crying for crying three days, for days, not and sleeping. Days and days, yeah. You yeah. know, and Tony says, and we'll have that date sometime. Yeah. You know, because she, she says, well, I missed the date. Right? I know. <laughs> and he says, don't worry. And and he's, you know, and even the relationship with Kevin is is slightly different. Yeah. I mean, I was pissed off that Kevin, neither one of them thought maybe Michael had emptied the gas tank. And they were distracted after the funeral. Yeah, after the we'll, funeral. We'll give them that one. It's such a good episode. Yeah. yeah. And no, you just see this. And how is Tony going to handle the fact that he has committed justifiable homicide? Yeah. Like, it is you an know, episode somebody, about making him question everything every, about himself. Well, and he has to, and it is justifiable. And everybody will accept it as justifiable. Yeah. And it because it's Michael. <laughs> it's Michael. And everybody has finally understood that Tony was right about Michael. Yeah. Well, again, we get that wonderful intervention scene when the entire police establishment sits Tony yeah. in a room and asks him what to do. Yeah. Like, this is the ultimate vindication for what Tony's been going through for the past six years. Now, the funny thing is that we can get pissed off because we don't find out. But we can also say that if they probably knew they were going to get canceled. Yeah. And what they did was give us a whole stack of potentials for Tony to be happy. Yeah. Because it's clear Tony isn't has never been happy. Mm-hmm. And their relationship with Carol was just a mess. Yeah. And with with Val McDiarmid's books, it's still a mess because <laughs> they're still in their relationship. Uh, um crimes notwithstanding. Yeah. They were never good for each other. No, and that that's exactly what what it that is clear in the books. That continues on in the books that yeah. um even when he knows but what we never got and Alex said is I know nothing about you. Yeah. And we never did. And that, I think that they must have known that they were going to end. And we do never learn any of Tony's backstory. Nope. Not till the end. And um, yeah. So I think it's a, the more I, the more times I have watched this, so I've gone through it. It's three like times. the more you like it as an ep, as a finale. As a finale, yeah, it seems as crazy it, as that sounds. Yeah, I mean, I there are things I want to know, but I can live without knowing them. Yeah, but because they have ended this on a quasi hopeful note, even though he is going to have to rethink his entire life. But because he is getting so much more respect, because there is the possibility of a relationship, all of these things leave you to say, okay, maybe he's going to be fine. Yeah. And and that, you know, there are there are other people that he can trust to take over his job yeah. should he decide well, that. Just the fact that he confronts this amazing bit where he confronts uh, Andy, right? The most non-threatening cop in history. Yeah. <laughs> right? The fact that he confronts Andy with the fact that Andy was, you know, talking up 
Uh, you know, it's like bigging himself up by mentioning that he went to Oxford. And Andy's response is, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I'll be more careful. <laughs> the fact that that's the reaction, you know? Yeah, it's all kind of it. So, I think you're left with a bit of hope. Yeah. That that everything will kind of work itself out. Never, nothing will ever be perfect, but mm -hmm. that that Michael is gone, yeah. and a, a lot of his he has been justified. Well, I mean that's the other thing, eh? As bad as it is, he is justified in everything he said about Michael that nobody would believe. Well, and I think when and I, that changes his sense of self because remember, yeah, over the last few episodes before he's been questioning whether he got things right, and yeah, you know, there's there's been all of that, and then he is given this validation. Well, at the end, what I, what I think is find interesting is that at, at the first time I watched it and subsequent times, you know, I questioned what what are they trying to say with Michael because he is such a cipher because we never find out anything about him. And and it's just because Michael is like the ideal of the concept of a serial killer, right? The concept of there being this evil force out there doing monstrous things for reasons that we can't wrap our head around. Like he is that personified. And honestly, had, you know, had Tony been able to treat him long term, maybe we could have found out what was going on. But it there is a real power to in these last episodes having Tony up against the idea of a serial killer rather than a specific serial killer. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, yes, and it's also when you you can add to that that they are polar opposites. Yeah, no, that's true. You know, they are sort of like mirror, not not mirrors. They are other selves. A negative, like, a, a negative, a negative print. Yeah, a negative print, right? Of Tony. Absolutely. And, and uh, Tony has to kill, and Tony does the by darkness Tony. version of himself. Yeah, yeah, and it's like it's weird that such a bleak moment in the ending of that strangulation mm -hmm. in Robson Green's face, you yeah. can read it as like Tony has essentially freed himself mm -hmm. from the old version of his life in that moment. Yeah. And what is that going to mean from him? And what is it going to mean that he had to kill somebody to free himself? Yes. Well, maybe then we'd get his backstory. Yeah, right. Because trust me, when you read his backstory, mm -hmm. that's what's so funny when I watch this, it's like, Okay, this is. I wonder what Val McDiarmid is going to do when she finally gets to ending all of that. Um, but um, this is almost as if it is a perfect ending because his because I have read his backstory and I'm going, yes, he had to kill the fear because. What I will tell you is that his big fear is has always been that he can empathize so much and he can understand all of these killers so much because he has that in himself. Right. And everything about his life has made him um, question himself, despise himself, and he's been fighting this part of his upbringing all his life. And, and that, of course, gives you the wonderful motivation for why he's obsessed with only trying to identify with the victims. Yes. 
Exactly. Yeah. Why well, he exactly. always puts himself in the position of the victims. Yeah, he doesn't want he doesn't want to enter identify with the killers he even though he can't help but doing do it and that's why he's so good at yeah. his job that's why he's so good but he's 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 internally has been afraid all his life wow. that he has never been good enough that he has that he is that he doesn't even know why he hasn't become a serial killer and that's one of the things he's been trying to ask himself mm-hmm. he's been trying to find out and he like like there's a whole system that that Val McDiarmar built around Tony and as I said when you find out all of the details of his backstory it is it is truly horrendous yeah and um and in his backstory I mean in the books his mother is still freaking a lot and god help me <laughs> you know? um but uh, there's there's a whole a whole bunch of stuff in there and that Michael embodies, therefore, when in my head, Michael embodies everything that Tony has been afraid of that he would become all his life. Yeah, because he's, and, again, and, the purest form of that kind of just yes, turning people into meat and killing them. Yes, and so by putting it so that he can have a light, and Alex, I mean... I don't know that they thought about this in the beginning, but the fact that he could be Alex's friend and be a friend with her son and have absolutely no interest, they had no interest in one another whatsoever, meant that they could end up having maybe some kind of a relationship. Yeah, because he's able to have, like, able to be close to people without all of these extra things messing it up. Yes. Yeah. And all of this, all of this stuff. And he couldn't with Carol. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, Carol. Yeah. Oh, I just, I was thinking about, uh, I watched the, of all things, Prime Suspect was on. Oh, and it okay. was the episode where, where Jane has to decide whether or not to have an abortion. Oof. Uh, it was, it was a rough episode. I was thinking about that, right? And it's it's another one that deals with trans people. And there's some things in there that you never get the answer to. But that's, again, that's a different different episode and stuff. It's not about serial killing or anything. But it it did bring me back to Wire in the Blood. Yeah. In some ways thinking about that. Because I always confuse, in some ways, Jane and Carol. That's fair. They are similar Um, characters in a ton of ways. They are very similar characters. And uh, Jane is going to make it to superintendent. Well, she's already working <laughs> yeah. at in this episode, and that's but it, that's not why she has the like. You're left. Never mind. I don't want her to. Talk no, no, about we're not that. talking about prime suspect here. No, it, it just. But it, I'm going to say something now that we're at the end of it. I do have to say yeah. one thing that's slightly weird. Mm-hmm. I really, as as strange as a journey it was, as it was, I really think Carol leaving is the best thing that could have happened for the show. Oh yes. I think oh, yeah. it was really like it's not how I felt at the time, no. but watching it all in sequence like this, just because like I watched it originally, as each new season came out, I watched the new season, yeah. and I didn't like rewatch the previous season before I watched, and it was such a change. But it's like what it did for Tony and the ways, like I'm not saying that the this toxic love affair, this toxic platonic love affair <laughs> that Tony and. Uh, Carol have stunted the character, 
but removing that aspect of the show forced them to really dig into who Tony is. And they ended up finding some really interesting things in these three seasons. I, I know I, in, in the, when you look at this and separate them from the books, and I will tell you that, that the only way to continue with the books as such it, with Carol is to continue in this highly toxic relationship because it never ceases. Yeah. Because Carol is very, very toxic and yet he cannot seem to stop wanting to help her. Yeah. Care about her. I mean, God only, God help us, he ends up in jail because he kills someone so that she won't kill that person. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, it's an entirely different, I like this situation. I I mean, I, I like developing this. Now, the funny thing is, is that with the, with the books, you still, uh, it still is massively engaging. Like it's, it's a very weird thing. I don't know how she does it, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't have worked. I would have gotten pretty fed up. I think with it. Yeah. Over, over a series. Well, who knows whether I would have gotten fed up with it. (laughs) Right. Because, but because this is what we got and I liked it. Yeah. You know, like once, once you get over the shock of it, of Carol not being there, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Alex and Alex being Alex is a very, the smart thing they did was create an, just an extraordinarily different character. Yeah. She is completely different. They didn't, didn't make any attempt to try to recreate that relationship. Um, yeah. Oh, that was good. And and Carol going off the way she did and not talking to Tony and not telling Tony was actually um here here here's the thing. You know how you do well if I'd made a different choice? <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. So because Carol went off, they had to make a different choice yeah. in the in the TV series. Yeah, they were forced to. But she did the same thing to Tony in the books. Like, huh. I don't know if it was South Africa, but yeah, she did the same thing to Tony. She took this other job. She got away from him. So he's working on his own with cops and stuff like that. Um, she does the same thing in the books, but they're never separated that long. Interesting. You know, it's like there's this always this something comes up. But um, huh. yeah, the books are fascinating and you can read them like on their own yeah because they did create um this character tony hill is um it's funny because when i'm reading the books i can still see robson green yeah it's really weird and i still see carol as as uh, hermione what's her face hermione norris norris yeah right it's funny in my head and it's like, okay, I'm, I've got these two different worlds, these two paths to follow. That this is the path that followed if they didn't get separated. This is the fa- path that, that ends up happening when they do get separated for good. And yeah. I like Wire in the Blood in some ways because I like Tony Hill. No, you like him in the books, but I'm really happy that this fictional character has gotten a chance maybe yeah 
maybe at some kind of peace and some kind of happiness, given that I know how shitty his life has been <laughs> because I've read the book. Oh, damn. Because, it, you know, because I because the separation of these two Tonys yeah. only occurs after Carol leaves. God, that is in interesting. And one, one, Carol comes back in the TV show, Carol never comes back. Yeah. And and what happens to Tony is so much better. <laughs> Excuse you. But you know, this this idea of multiverses. Mm-hmm. So we've got multiverses. The two the two have had this the same life up until up until Carol leaves. And then they take disparate paths. Hmm. Oh yeah. I, I mean when when I'm thinking about this, how do I think about this? Because I like the books as much as I like the TV series. And you would think I would prefer one over the other. So I have to explain. But I think it's just that they're, luckily, they are such completely different things that you don't have to make a choice. No, I don't have to make a choice. Uh, and but yet, if you, that said, uh, if you want a happier story of all things, go with the TV show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and that is the weird, because it's got a happier ending. It does. And the books haven't ended yet. And it is. Oh, it is just the whole thing. But you thing. can't see it ending happily for anybody in the books. I have no idea how this is going to wrap end. up when she decides Carol to do is it. As, as because, continues not learning any lessons. Yes, continues never learning any lessons and continues being driven by the wrong things. And you never get a real sense of Carol's backstory. It's such a fascinating set of characters yeah. they have. Yeah, and... Um, I so kudos to ITV. Your your guys did this. No, they did a great job. They really they did, did a great, great job. job. And yeah. there's no other way to say it. They did uh they did an amazing job with this. Yeah. All right. Uh so we're going to amazingly finally wrap up Wire in the Blood. Uh next up we're gonna be watching Cracker, the Robbie uh starring the late Robbie Coltrane as Fitz. A man who is the best at interviewing criminals. Yes. Uh, They tried to do this in America. And it didn't work. Uh, Tragically, they tried to do it in America. It didn't work. And I maintain that it was because you could never do this in an hour-long format. Yeah. The kind of stuff they do in this show, it just didn't work in an hour-long format. You needed the movies to, like, tell the stories the way they needed to tell them. Mm-hmm. And then you had, uh, and then you had the closer, which was kind of the, it was kind of the, the standard police procedural version of Cracker. Yes. Like it was what, what if you found a way to transform Cracker, you changed enough to make it a completely standard police procedural. That was, uh, I gotta say a pretty satisfying show. It's just, it wasn't in the realm of Cracker, you know? Oh yeah. The closer, the closer is. Is watchable. It is very, very watchable and very good. And every now and then, yeah, you know. Uh, but and even when they and uh, when the closer switched and became what's major crimes, major crimes with Mary McDonnell, they still managed to hold, right? Yeah. Because it's a lot of the same cast and the police, and they managed to switch. And it, it, yeah, I mean, it works. It mm-hmm. all works. Um, but it's not cracker. It's not cracker. And at the end it's, of the day, I mean. It. I, yeah, I, I can see. Yes, it's it's 
it is a successful <laughs> adaptation yeah. into an American system. Uh-huh. But it's um but Cracker hey, Robbie Coltrane was just Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. And hey, if the closer gave us nothing else, it gave us like two hundred or so episodes of Tony Dennison solving crimes. Yes. And we were very <laughs> happy about that. <laughs> yeah, that there it was it was good. It was it, it was, was a fun show. I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna pretend I, I didn't. And I loved it. her parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so what are you gonna do? So yeah, join us. Uh, we will be back soon with uh, the first episode of Cracker, and then uh, we'll just continue on from there. Also, look forward soon to our. Now that we have time, we're gonna rewatch all of season sixteen of Criminal Minds. And just have some final thoughts on that season as we eagerly await the release of season seventeen. <laughs> yeah, oh, I tell you that. I know. Just, just, we'll just eagerly await and we'll go up when it shows up. Yeah. All right. So that should be, uh, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, but until then, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have, uh, sorry, if you're listening to this on some sort of an app or podcast, be sure to rate and review it. That's how people find out about the show. We'll see you back here next time. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.